Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Dr. Susan. She is a psychiatrist, a leftist, a Bernie supporter, and a concerned citizen. We discuss the state of healthcare and U.S. politics. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. I'm trying to figure out how to raise the volume. Oh, okay. How's your volume? It doesn't seem very loud. Let's see. Okay, I'll jack it up here. Now it's that should be the highest volume I have. Okay, we're jacked up. We ready? We are jacked up. (laughs) We're ready. We're jacked up. How's your uh, weather down there in South Carolina? We're having a nice warm winter here in South Texas. Well, you know. It's been funny because we had some cold days where it went down below freezing, you know, and then it didn't get above like 50 in the afternoon. Today it was 60. You know, that. I love 60. Yeah, I mean, so this, this, this is like a normal day. I mean, we had, you know, about two weeks ago, we had some really cold days. That I had to leave my water running, you know, mm-hmm. so the pumps don't freeze. Yeah. I mean, that is really, it seems to me that it gets, it's more normal to get really those cold days in March. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we had a couple of weeks of really cold days. You I'm, know, but, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the southmost Texas, you can pretty, pretty much as far as you can go. And we oh, you're down there low. by El Paso? Or are you getting overflown? Other side. The other side. Overflown with I'm the... On the Gulf side of the state. Oh, okay, the Gulf side. Yeah, okay, that's where they had the oil spill. <laughs> yeah, I was. I only been down here for about two years, but yeah, we got uh, below freezing twice, so I uh, had to had the faucets on drip. I guess our pipes aren't quite as low. I'm, I'm originally from the Northeast, so we usually don't have to do that kind of stuff. Well, because I think because up up north in the like in Michigan we never had to do that. Yeah, it's the houses are insulated better because they yeah. have winter every year. They have winter down here. You know, like uh, not maybe a couple a couple winters ago we had a real we had a really bad like it was a like a week we had a lot of ice. Okay. And I went to the local place and I said I want some of that de-icer stuff to you know. Down and said, he looked at me like I was crazy and said, "Oh, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll, it never lasts. It'll melt in a couple of days." Well, it did not 
it, it was, we had ice for like a week, which, you know, like is unheard of, but oh well. I love Michigan. I, I think it's a great state, beautiful state. Uh, I like South Carolina too. Carolinas are great. What uh, what brought you down to South Carolina? You've been down there for about 20 years now? Yeah. Well, what happened is, you know, I, you know, I was married. I lived in Michigan for 35 years, you know, and my husband was working and he was, he was 14 years older than me. And, you know, and, and I knew that if I didn't do something drastic, he would keep on working. You know how men are. And we had bought a house in Garden City, South Carolina, which is uh, just south of Myrtle Beach. And, you know, and I really liked it. And that, that was our plan. Our plan was we're going to retire and live in this house. Okay. And, oh, I had a friend from Michigan. And what had happened is she, her house had burned down. She had lived in an old farmhouse and it just went up just like that. So she moved to the beach. She moved to Garden City. So then she kept telling us, oh, come on down. The weather's great. And we said, well, we always have a place we can go stay, you know. So that's what we did that a couple of times. We took a vacation and we went and stayed at her house. Well, then they talked my husband into buying a lot. So we built that house. So my address was 1102. Her address was 1120. So I always said, oh, it's great. You can watch over my house while I'm not there. I don't know how much watching over it she did. But anyways, um, you know, I got so I was thinking, well, my husband really should retire. I, You know, and, and what's the point of staying here in the Michigan with the winters and everything? Let's, you know, we're getting older. We can't, don't want to do that anymore. So, yeah, they're brutal. So I went ahead and got my license uh, my Michigan, my South Carolina medical license, and and moved. I moved down into the house without my husband, and I told him, I says, "Well, you you need to, you know, sell the sell our house, sell the family homestead, you know, and join me." So that's exactly that's really exactly how it happened. Is that I moved down, I got a job, I was working, and then oh, and then we had the the. You know, we had that uh, recession thing. We had the depression, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, and like in 2008, because I moved down to South Carolina in January of 2006. And then that bad thing happened. And in 2008, which was when my husband first put our house up on the market, that was really like the worst possible time in Michigan to try to sell a house. So... Um, I know we took a loss on the house and it was on the market for a few months and it was not all that easy, but ultimately he said he was able to sell the house, move down, move in with me. And then he died in 2010. So at least he had to go, he had a good couple of years being retired where he, he could allow himself to get bored, you know? Yeah, because that's that's what I one thing I will say about retirement is that it can be very boring. Yeah, we work we work our entire lives. You know, it'd be nice to have a little bit more time. I think during our during our prime, you know, our physical prime or mental prime to, uh, you know, enjoy activities and do things, um, you know, in our free time, have a little bit more free time and be able to travel, spend time with family, you know, develop hobbies, creativity, that sort of thing. But, you know, kind of in the system we're in, 
you know, pretty much work the majority of our lives. And the best case scenario, some of us may never retire, but for, for others, you know, the best case scenario is maybe a couple years at the end, you know, your golden years. Um, you, you were out of the profession, right? A little bit. You had some trouble with your license. You just got, you just kind of let it expire and uh, fell yeah, I, let my, I let it expire. I, I was really stupid. You know, I, I did, I didn't have anybody at the time to tell me, give me any advice, and to say that that's the worst thing to ever do. Even if you're not working, you keep your license. But it lapsed, and so then, then we had COVID. You know, oh, first we had the Bernie, we had the Bernie experience, and that was one thing that was great for a retired person that kept me busy. And then when COVID came, you know, South Carolina, we were in lockdown. I mean, it was not fun. And where I was living also was well, sort of typical for South Carolina at the beach because I lived in Polly's Island. You know, there's a lot of old people. A lot of people do retire there. So in my particular neighborhood, there were a lot of older people. I mean, and I played tennis. I played tennis every day if I wanted to. But who are you playing with? You're playing with these old people, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, it was fine. It, that part was, was okay. But it was really, actually, it was could get kind of bleak because in the wintertime, everybody would go back up north, you know, and, you know, it was like I was the only person living there. I was the only house that had Christmas decorations up. You know, I put the lights yeah. up and everything. I was the only person that did that. So, you know, it had its advantages. But then after after a while, I just, I just kept thinking, well, you know, I'm just waiting to die. I mean, there's just nothing going on. I mean, and that's, and really, that's the way it is with a lot of these old retired people. They are just going on one day to the next, they go out to eat, they do this, they play tennis, they do that, you know, and it's just, you're just waiting to die. So anyways, I got an email from the South Carolina Medical Association and they wanted, they wanted, if you, if you were retired, we will help you get back in action. We will help you get your license back and everything else. And I'm like, oh, okay, I could do that. So I started the process to get my license back. And it took over a year to do it, but I, ultimately I did get my license back. So now I'm just waiting to get to hear from, you know, a job to, to get hired for. So, so what what about people? So I I think it's a great thing, you know, to kind of stay active, mentally engaged. I mean, I, I hope it's more so for hobbies, you know, and, and interests. Uh, that motivate individuals. Uh, I'm in healthcare too. And that's one of the things I try to do is connect with people with their hobbies, things they like to do. And yeah, no doubt with an older population, a lot of these people are just kind of sitting around, not really, not that's really right. spending, you know, like, and, taking and advantage of their time. Right. But know, I always had a lot of friends, you know, and I made friends and, and, but my husband, he didn't have any friends, you know, like most of his friends were like my friends. And if they had husbands, uh, then the husband became his friend, you know, and I've, and I noticed too, that mostly once you're working, that's where your friends are, you know, yeah. you make friends amongst your coworkers. Yeah. But in my experience, what happened, the doctors that I knew that I worked with and everything, as soon as they retired or moved on, that was it. Never, yeah. never but, heard, 
I, I don't know if that's typical of retired people, but it was like once they retired, I was off the list. You know, it's like we had a, there were four or five of us and we would go to the movies now and then, you know, while we were working. But once they started retiring, well, we didn't do that anymore. And, and yet they were still living in the same house. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, yeah. not like they, it's not like they moved away or something. So it's really kind of strange. So what about, what about um, you know, being compelled to work? Though? There's a lot of um, older Americans kind of forced to work for, for necessity. You know, the, the welfare system, the safety nets in the United States, in our society, aren't very good. They're, they're some of the most no. miserly programs in all of the industrialized right. world. And they, you know, and the, the whole way the system is set up, the system is set up to be cruel to anybody that, you know, wants to sign up to get help. Yeah. You know, they, they lots of, yeah, lots of paperwork, meetings, paperwork. You know, tests, all kinds of stuff. Right. Right. And a lot of the, like a lot of these places say, oh, we're not going to give you any benefits unless you pass a drug test, which really what's that got to do yeah. with anything? Means testing you know? just means it's designed testing. to be a, oh, yeah, a pain testing. in the ass. It's, it's designed to drive people back into the workforce. It's designed to just irritate people so much with stupid meetings, paperwork, um, you know, job interviews, drug tests, all this kind of stuff. It's designed to be like, hey, you know what? Working's not so bad. I'd rather I'd rather do that than do all these stupid, uh, you know, application processes, right? That's what oh, it seems yeah. like to me. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it punishes people for being homeless. For I being mean, or for being homeless. You, you were so you were homeless for a little while. Why don't we Why don't we talk about your personal experience? You know, you had you you were you were a medical doctor, obviously yeah. doing pretty well for yourself, and then uh, you, you kind of got scammed. You were homeless for a little while. I'd love to t- talk about you know your experience and perhaps you know uh, what you think about you know the safety nets and welfare programs that are available to individuals in this country. I never really gave it a thought okay i was you know like i can't say when i was a kid i can't say that we were wealthy you know but we never i was as a kid we we always had enough to eat you know my father uh, was an accountant he wore a suit and tie every day to work we never wanted for anything but there were three i had two sisters there were three us three girls and it was understood if you ever got a dollar, if I was given a dollar for my birthday or Christmas or something, it always went right into the bank for my college education. It was understood that we would all go to college. You know, I mean, I think my mother was like panic. Oh, she had these girls and she wanted to make us all self-sufficient. She didn't want us to, to have to be supported by her, you know, like, you know. Forever. I mean, I can understand her fear. But anyway, so, you know, I left home. I got married. I didn't go to college until after I was married for the second time. And my husband begrudgingly did send me to college and pay for my medical school. You know, which, of course, by now, my parents thought that was wonderful because they didn't have to pay, you know. So I graduated. I have no student loans. I mean, I could do what I want. You know, and really, I never really gave much thought to welfare or anything. And then when I was uh, leaving Michigan, I know it was right before I left Michigan, I know that I had to go to Department of Social Services because they had to do a background check on me 
so I could work with children, you know? So, I mean, the, the questions were like, have you ever been arrested for, you know, child abuse? Have you ever been involved in any child? You know, it was th that kind of investigation so that I got this document saying that I had been cleared, okay? Anyways, just sitting there at the Department of Social Services, I mean, you have to take a number, you sit there with everybody, you know, you're right in there with the rest of the crowd. And you could tell, I mean, it's a very de dehumanizing experience, you know, and then when your number is called, then you go call, you go see the person and they're very bored. And then when they find out, then when they find out, oh, this person is a doctor, you know, then their attitude immediately changes, you know, and they go about and they, they do what, oh, yeah, I was. That's right. I was. Do, it was right before I did my resident. My as a resident, I had to do three months at the Hawthorne Center, which was the inpatient adolescent unit. So I had to be cleared for that. So I, you know, that that was my first experience with how people are actually treated by the system, because I could see most of I'm one hundred percent of everybody else in the room there was there to get some kind of check or something yeah and then and then once i started working and i worked for when i worked down here in south carolina i worked for the department of mental health you know and, and i could have you know like in michigan i did some private practice i worked in the prison i went to nursing homes i mean i did a lot of different things but really i liked working for the state i liked the whole concept that I didn't need to think about whether my whether this patient I'm talking to can they afford it, you know, or the, how are they going to pay for this? Oh yeah, they I mean afford... we're both in healthcare. The it's a scandalous system, you know. It's own a system essentially owned and controlled by big pharma and the insurance companies, exactly. and uh, you know they make the rules for everyone else to follow, even for the. That's right. That's so we exactly have to right. Ask them, you know, is this procedure okay? Can we get this? Uh, yeah. You know. That's right. It's prior authorization. Prior yeah. authorization. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's almost like they're dictating care, which is just absurd. You no, know, but then it, it, that's true. However, but you know, they get around that. They're they are not practicing medicine without a license. You may certainly have that procedure if you want it. You can get that medication if you want it. It's just we are not paying for it. Right. That's that's where they've got you. And of yeah, course, yeah. Uh, in the United States, um, medical, or I'm sorry, bankruptcy for medical emergencies, that's the number one cause of bankruptcy. That, so that this is, is a really phenomenon uh, not seen in any other country in the world with a No, you know, that, that is tragic. You know, like, I, do, I don't understand why we're not all out in the streets over this. We're I mean, propagandized. We're propagandized. They, they, they tell people like, oh, you know, we're going to get this government uh, health care program and you're not going to be able to keep your doctor. They're going to send you somewhere. It's gonna, probably going to be some, you know, quack and you're not going to like that doctor. And, you know, that's that's just the only option there is. And, of course, every other country in the world has figured it out. and You'll be able to keep your oh. doctor. It's just, you know, scare tactics. Well, well, yeah, the way that, you know, you know, I'm like, I, I'm a psychiatrist. The people I deal with, I. You know, I mean, I can remember being called in by the the lady at the desk telling me, Dr. Reg, you, your patient is here. You need to talk to him right now. This was somebody who did not have an appointment, but yeah. he was on my list. Yeah. Anyways, he, he was sitting in the waiting room and they said, you know, smoke is coming out of his ears. <laughs> you know, he's sitting there. He's yeah. talking to himself. He's yeah. getting obviously agitated about something and you better yeah. come talk to him right this minute. What had happened? 
he had taken his prescription to get his get it filled. And the pharmacist has said, no, this is a medication that he'd been on for years. And yeah. really, trust me, you want him to have this medication. There yeah. is no way you want to say, oh, gee, you can't have it. We've got to give you something cheaper. Yeah. No, you want this guy to have his medication. Anyways, so that was why he was so, luckily for me, what did I do? I I had some samples. I was able to give him samples and, and ask some of my friends there, you got any Zybrexa? You know, so that we could give him something to, and then whatever, I, you know, I really don't remember what we did next for the, to get this prior authorization. But it's like, I mean, this is, a, this is outrageous. Yeah. These companies can do this to people. I mean, you, you know, okay, it's bad enough that, you know, they closed all the mental hospitals because the state doesn't want to be in the hospital business because it's not profitable. And all of the mental hospitals, you know, they were originally built way out in the middle of nowhere so that they could be far removed from people. But guess what? And now in the modern, the way the cities have grown now, well, and now it looks like, gee, the state nuthouse is right on prime real estate. Geez, we can't have that. Let's sell that building. And I mean, that's what happened in downtown Columbia here in South Carolina. They sold, you know, the, the state mental hospital on Bull Street. You know, they they sold it. They had an auction, got rid of all the equipment and stuff. You know, and, and it's to revitalize downtown Columbia and put in office buildings. So what happens to the patients? Well, they <laughs> they become the homeless, but or some they become part of the homeless. They were maybe the beginning of the homeless. You so know, why don't we, we kind of bounce around between some issues? Why don't we do some? Why don't we do the state of mental health? Let's talk about your profession for a little while, and then um, of course we'll talk about Bernie. You're a Bernie supporter, as am I. Uh, perhaps we could discuss Biden. Uh, I saw some studies and some um, articles that came out about his mental health. Uh, obviously, I think it's pretty clear he's got cognitive decline, some memory Absolutely issues. Absolutely does. He has dementia. You know, and just today, just today, the Justice Department came out with this, uh, their ruling on his mishandling of the documents. Yeah, the classified, uh, classified yeah. documents, right, right. And said, yeah, he may he may be guilty. He probably is guilty. But because he's so feeble, he's old and feeble-minded now. Yeah. <laughs> they, they aren't going to take him. They aren't going to press charges. This is the leader of the free world. You know. Yes. Right, and he's right. too feeble-minded to yeah. be in court. Right. You know, he Allegedly. could not remember. He could not remember when his son Bo died. He yeah. didn't. He couldn't remember when he was vice president. I mean... Yes. So my friends and I, we, we send a lot of memes back and forth. Some of them Trump, some of them Biden, some, some of them unrelated. But so many Biden memes of him just mumbling, talking just complete nonsense. And it's like hilarious. And we're laughing and, you know, putting it in context. The president of France, the prime minister, prime minister Mitterrand. I mean, yeah. damn, he's been dead since 97 or something like, you know, it's like, he, you know, it's like. Boy, yeah. next he's going to be talking about he he had a talk with Benjamin Franklin or somebody. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but I mean, like it's funny, right? We're sending memes back and forth, but this is the most powerful person in the world, possibly. Um, you know, certainly the most powerful. That's the nuclear code. Yeah, he's got yeah. It's it's a major problem, and I think a failure of the Democratic Party to to not clearly see his cognitive decline, his his historic unpopularity. And yet, this is the candidate they're going to try to run out again. You know, this is obviously... I look at, I look at it this way. 
I can remember, I'm an older person, so I can remember in 1968, I was a McCarthy supporter. If you can remember Eugene McCarthy, I think he was from Minnesota. But that's when Lyndon Johnson said, I am not going to seek re-election because he was so unpopular because he wanted to keep sending American boys over to Vietnam, be the first one on your block. But, to but LBJ, right, his, uh, his, his domestic policy, though, was pretty left-leaning, right? He was, it was, um, it, it was pretty, it, oh, yeah. it was getting, it was, like, civil rights legislation and stuff, right? The civil rights, yes, I, I think LBJ was a much better better president than he's given credit for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the whole war business, you know, it's not like he started that war. He, right. I mean, how did anybody know what to do anyway? And he listens to the generals and they tell him to do this and that. So that, that's what, he, I mean, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't privy to a lot of that knowledge. All I was, I was, you know, like the only, the closest I got to it was, to listening to these young boys tell me that this might be my last chance to do it, you know, because I can get drafted and yeah. I can get killed over there. So, you know, put out now. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was the line, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess let's, let's do politics first and then maybe we'll come back to, um, psychiatry. Right. So, you know, we both, we both maybe got connected on Twitter uh, you were a Bernie supporter, as was I, as I still am. Um, what what drew you to the to the Bernie campaign? Um, you know, obviously there were some shenanigans that went down. Bernie was winning. I think was at the two thousand twenty primary. Um, yes. Yeah, he was winning. I think he was in first place. I think right. I think he was dropped win, out. Right. Everyone I think he was going to win South Carolina, yeah. and then Jim Clyburn and Obama had to step in and and. And get all the Democrats in line. You know, I, I, I can't say I know everything, but I, I provided housing to Bernie volunteers, and those people were fantastic. Was this the they same? Uh, was this the same time when Biden said, uh, "If you ain't black, if you don't vote for me," was, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think it yeah. was. I think it was then that if you if you don't. I don't know. Then you ain't black. If you don't vote for me, then you're not black. Or I mean, yeah, it's a really stupid thing for him to say. And that's when he called you the pony soldier. You're you, whatever that you're an ugly faced pony soldier. Whatever that expression was. Like where in the some, world did that ever come? Some outdated saying from eighty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. And anyways, the the Bernie supporters, the people, they got up early in the morning. They walked miles. You know, I mean, they walk 12, 15 miles every day, knocking on doors, talking to people and never want. See, and I went a couple of times, but, you know, I, I would, would go for a couple of hours and then I would go home again, you know, because I was I'm old and I can't. <laughs> you know, that's my excuse. But never once did any of us run into any Biden, you know, volunteers it was all Bernie people. When we'd see them, you know, you'd we'd they'd would see the other groups of them, and you know, I mean, you know, and and I think that he was really catching fire. Oh yeah, we had a meeting at my house one night. They invited a, we had a bunch of people come over and talking to people, and you know, and you could tell they were these people were getting persuaded, you know, and and I think that the the. The enthusiasm and everything, it was definitely catching. 
And and really, I really thought that that Bernie was going to win South Carolina, you know. And I think the DNC thought so too. I think that's why they came down in a panic with Jim Clyburn to for him to crack the whip and get those get all these black people in line and tell them to vote for for Joe Biden, you know. And you know, and I don't know if they did or not, or yeah. I would not be surprised either. I think you said you questioned it, right? You questioned if Biden even won the state from what you saw, you know, boots on the ground and whatnot. You were were surprised to see Biden take the state? That's right. And I think the only reason he was is because they they came down and they interfered and they said you have to vote. You have to vote vote for Biden or else you're going to die or whatever they said. You know, and then I was really shocked when, you know, when... They announced that, yeah, he took, that Biden won South Carolina. And then after that, everybody fell down. It was like the domino effect. Everybody after that, everyone endorsed Biden. I mean, Amy Klobuchar, you know, I mean, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, the whole party fell in line behind Biden. It's it's amazing that that was the... That was the person that they picked, but uh, but anyways, you could see even at that time the man was, you know, yeah. Come on, if we all live, if any of us, if you live long enough, you're gonna get dementia. You yeah. know, it starts yeah. out with word finding. You have difficulty with word find naming and word finding. Yeah, you know, and I I see that in myself. You know, like it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember that. You know, like I have. Had more difficulty as I get older to remember stuff. You know, sure, it'll come to me later on, you know, but I can see. And, and, and with Biden, it's a lot worse than that, though. I mean, it's just. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. It's much more, had, more progressive. That's right. He had cognitive decline. In, and I, I mean, I thought at the time, his wife, what the hell's wrong with her? She was all gung-ho and, and go, go, Joe, go. And I'm like. Power. It's, this it's is, easily, this I think is, these people that, that, that run for office are easily corruptible by power in you know, all of them. Like, remember when they, remember when they came out, there was like a bunch, it was like more of a rumor. It was never like official. I bet like some of my friends that, you know, I think consider themselves liberal, you know, kind of like mainstream, like, Hey, bye, this is going to be great. You know, he's going to run for four years. Uh, he's a safe choice. He's going to beat Trump. And then they'll find someone new after those four years. I'm like, this is not a four-year kind of run here. Like, Biden's going to stay in power as long as he can. This guy's oh, yeah, absolutely. Anybody, he's he's you know? not going to give it up. No way. You know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, I mean, that that's obvious to me that he's not going to, he's not going to voluntarily. I knew it right away. I knew it right away. I'm like, this is not a four-year thing here. Biden's going to stay right. on he's, power that's as long right. as he can. That's right. He's, he's not going to let go. He's not. He is not. So that that's why I I think the DNC is criminal. I mean, I really have, I am the thing no about other- it is both these political parties, both the DNC and the Republican Party, if they could um if they could fix the election, rig it and get away with it and win, they would. So they like would, everyone says like you know the Republicans or Trump this that or the other thing, the DNC is absolutely no better. They're funded by the same people. Oh, ex- if they exactly. could rig the election and win it, they would that's do it. That's right. They 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 just talk. They talk like they're they're nice guys. They talk like they love the people. They talk this and they talk that. But then their actions actions speak louder than words. You know. I mean. I am so disgusted. I I'm not going to vote. I I have told them I'm not going to vote for another Democrat. I'm not voting for Joe Biden. I won't vote for I won't vote for Trump either. I'm either going to vote for Cornell West, or I'm going to stay home. 
And I so, think that's where a lot of people are. You know, is it even worth my time to go out and vote? You know, I'm, in, I'm right. in a Republican and, state or red state, so I'm starting yeah. to think maybe not. But uh, I also don't think that apathy is going to win any wars or win any battles on the left. You know what I mean? So I think if it's if you think you're passionate about an election and you, you think that someone is worth voting for or perhaps someone voting against, I, I'd say go out and do it. But uh, unfortunately, I'm... I've I've come down with some apathy over the years, and, and and you know just overall just disgusted with the entire political it's system. Just, it is disgusting because, you know, I mean, come on, the federal minimum wage is still seven dollars. It's fifteen years old. That means it can work now legally in most Republican states because it hasn't been raised in fifteen years. It's a, it's a, it should be a national scandal. There's there's multiple scandals going on going yeah. on right now in this country, and that's one of them. That is one. That's right. I mean, that's a major disgrace, you know, and, you know, and like what, it, what was his excuse? His excuse was the parliamentarian. Well, parliamentarian. You know, what a joke. I never George, even heard that term before, you know? Yeah, well, no, well, George Bush had problems oh, with the parliamentarian okay. and he, so he fired the par- parliamentarian and got somebody else in there so that he could do whatever the hell it was he wanted to do. So, yeah, and I think one thing about the parliamentarian, the parliamentarian was scapegoated. It's it's kind of a figurehead type position. George W. Bush and the Republican Party easily got rid of the parliamentarian when they stood in the way of their agenda. Uh, I think the problem with the Biden administration and the Democrats is they have a lot of rhetoric about, you know, being in favor of the poor, the vulnerable, the working class. But that all, that's all it is, is rhetoric. You know, they, they work for the when rich and powerful. Down to it, they won't do anything. They didn't know? want to. They didn't, if they really wanted to, they could have. They could have got that's rid right. of the parliamentary right. just like George W. Bush did. That's right. I know enough. I remember enough about LBJ that, you know, he was crude and they, you know, and they didn't like his manners. He was from Texas. He was this... And and he was a bully, you know, and he told those senators, you're going to vote for this whether you want to or not, or your your state won't get that bridge built or your state. You know, I mean, that's how you use power. And in Biden, he he just wants to appease the Republicans. Yeah. I mean, he is I, a Republican. I mean, he just he wears a blue hat. Right. But he pretty much is a Republican. It seems like he is a Republican. He is an extreme Far right conservative, he is to the right of of Ronald Reagan. I think so too. He, you know, and he's a practicing Catholic, and he said he doesn't think he doesn't believe in abortion on demand. What is what the hell does he mean by that? And then he said (laughs) he he thinks that Roe shouldn't have been overturned. And I'm like, come on, what do you mean? You're you're not. Does that mean that I'm supposed to walk in and and say, please, doctor, would you please scrape this parasite out of me? Yeah. You know, what are you supposed, you know, I mean, it's, it's a meaningless statement to say, oh, I'm against abortion on demand. Well, for heaven's sakes, you know, that's what, I mean, I've had two abortions, you know, I mean, and it's like, you don't walk in there and, and get on your hands and knees or something and grovel to say, please take care of this problem for me. Both of the times that I went, I had I had a bunch of kids. I had five children, for heaven's sakes. You know, and I say, I don't want another one. You know, everybody is very fine with that. No one questioned it. No one said anything. It's health care. I mean, I don't think it's a political it's issue. Yeah, it's, it's a health care issue, right? absolutely you know and and who and 
You know, any of these people, I'm sorry, but any of these politicians, anybody who has not had a menstrual period within the last 30 years has no business whatsoever setting any kind of policy regarding a woman's reproductive health. It's none of their goddamn business. And they need to just shut up and go sit down. They, you know, and when you see these ancient old coots up there, you know, with the, who cares what they think? They're going to be dead. You know, all those Supreme, well, maybe not all those Supreme Court justices, but, you know, Alito or what, all these ancient old farts, they're going to be dead before they actually see a lot of their policies come into play. And, I mean, and the environmental issue is a huge issue that I find to be oh, absolutely. You're not doing anything about it. Their, their generation is not going to be here much longer. You know, the, the baby boomers, obviously, Generation X, millennials are right. you know, kind of next up. But um, you know, future generations don't get a vote. You know, children not even born yet. You know, they're, they're going to have the biggest problems in dealing with our environment. So, you know, that's I, I think you know we have a generation of people. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not the elderly either. It's not the boomers or, you know, it's it's the rich and powerful in their agenda. Talking about, like, people like Taylor Swift, who, you know, uses up an insane amount of, of fossil fuels on her private jet, more than the average person. So the environmental problem is, is a problem for all of us. But unfortunately, it's a problem made by the rich and powerful, by the elites. And, so and yeah, That's right. To- you know, and... I can remember when I was in high school in 1968, 69, I can remember back then that that was, we were hearing these things about melting the polar ice caps and, and stuff like this, because I'm the, the oil companies, they weren't all that good at keeping it all hushed up, but you know, like, I mean, and I knew smart people that were smarter than me. And like, they said, you know, yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you consider the amount of people there are and the number of cars and the combustion engine and all of this stuff and everything. I mean, for you to say that none of this is going to ever have an impact, is, you're just crazy. I mean, it's we, just, we uh, dismantled. We had like public transportation in the United States. We had yeah, general a rail motors. system. And general we, Motors. General yeah. Motors. Yeah, it was a, it was a uh, social engineering US, project. Yeah, the USA and your right. Chevrolet. I, was, I remember that, you know, Doris Day or whoever that person was, see the USA and your Chevrolet? Yeah. In Detroit, my husband, he said that when he was a kid, he could take for a nickel or whatever, he could get on the streetcar and ride the streetcar to the pool, you know, to go swimming. We, we used to have those in Pittsburgh, too, where I was born and raised. We yeah. don't have those anymore. They're, they're, they're gone. That's those right. Gone. It was electric electric cars. And he said... He could go to the movie theater. I mean, he could all these places he could go for for a nickel, you know. And and his mother used to give it. That's what he said. He used to his mother used to give him a quarter, and for the quarter he could get the get take the streetcar, go to the movies, you know, and see the chapter or whatever because they did chapters, you know, and and have get some popcorn and a drink or whatever, and then come home again, all for twenty five cents. You know, and it was General Motors that ripped out the streetcar system in Detroit because they wanted everybody to buy an automobile. They and did big not oil, you know, big oil. We have an oil-based economy. We obviously that's right with Saudi Arabia, and that's one of the reasons we have this, uh, you know, massacre, this genocide going on in Gaza because we fund Israel that's because right. the United States wants a military outpost in the Middle East to control that's the world's right. oil supply. That's right. And also that's think right. of like 
people don't think of this, but like, um, for example, like, you know, they, they want to call like, you know, Medicare, Social Security, stuff like that, entitlements. But the biggest um, welfare programs in the world, uh, in the United States, are they corporate are. welfare programs. Think about That's right. the entire... Corporate welfare. They, don't, they don't call it corporate welfare. You know, they call they, it... What did Biden say? What did he say? The $3 billion that we're investing, that we're giving to Israel, was the best investment? Right, investment, sure. They call it an investment. Any money yeah. that we give to oil companies, that's our investment. Right. You know, but yeah. if we give you Social Security that you paid into your whole life, you know, that that's an entitlement, you you know. And that's ideological. Like, that's just how the elites present to us, to, you know, kind of propagandize us. But think about the infrastructure, the social engineering project, the highway system. It was built under the guise of defense. So billions, oh, yeah. probably trillions Eisenhower of dollars. was a general. And that's right. He, he could see, he could see what a, what a mismatch the transportation in this country was with all these little old dirt roads and yeah everything. he was like we we need this and if there's ever a world war three we need this that's right you know but that's it was right. not going to be a world war three the yes at that point in time had no enemies we were the most powerful nation in the world it was a direct subsidy given to the big oil and the big auto sure. companies and in fact um the roads i guess i guess there's a lot of oil byproducts that are used in those so you know it was basically a social engineering project to de dismantle um, public transportation and give direct subsidies to big auto, big oil. And, uh, you know, now we're in the predicament that we are because it's trashed the economy the last, you know, 50 or 100 years. Oh, sorry, yeah. The planet, sure. the planet, not the economy. It's Screw the Biden. economy. No one cares about the next quarter when we're all dead. You know what I mean? That's right. You know, and like Biden says, oh, we got to have electric vehicles. Well, electric vehicles still need roads high-speed rail well they also need to be powered the charger, that's you know? what we need we that's need what we need high-speed rail you know like oh, the yeah. rest of the industrialized world china, wants, china wanted to have uh the high-speed rail circling the, the world you know i would listen to part of tucker carlson's interview with putin oh interesting what did they say well he kind of got a little boring after a while because he went putin went through the entire russian history oh okay <laughs> Okay, but you know, I so I stopped. I'll I'll finish listening to the rest of it. You know, when we're done here, maybe. But I mean, when you look at when you see what China has been doing, you know, like they build all these huge cities and they have high speed rail and everything. You know, and I have a friend is in Russia right now, and she sent me a picture or something. They were getting on this big huge train, and I mean, in, in other places you can you can. You don't need your own car. You can get on the train and go. You know, I mean, the the, con- the whole concept of having us all have our own individual metallic container. Yeah, totally. You know, that takes all this power and energy to 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 move us around from point to point all the time. It's really, come on, when you think about it, it is really a stupid concept. And it really who- is. Who in their right mind really thought that this is something that can be sustainable? And I've driven through like Houston. I mean, some of these some of these highways, it's like 15 roads, you know, 15 lanes on each side. And it's like, oh, maybe if you put two more lanes in, that'll solve the problem. Like, no, oh, we get yeah, some right. high speed rail, connect these neighborhoods. We don't need more traffic jams, more lanes of the highways. What, what we need more is highways, yeah. more highways. They they are bad for the for the. Uh, 
Yeah, the ecosystem. The, 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 the ecosystem because right. they reflect the sunlight back and they don't oh, absorb okay. any of the carbon. But think so about the, 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 the lands that we're ripping through, you know, like that's right. You're how many dead animals you see on the road when you're driving through long stretches of highway. You know, it's it's not good for, for anyone, let alone that's uh, right. the it's animals not that good. live there. And that were, so, you know. so electric cars are not going to solve anything because we're still going to have to have roads. And there's, you know, and still the... You know what it takes to make those batteries and all, you know, all those yeah, little lithium bits. ion batteries. I guess they're mining those in, south, yeah. in, the, in the global south. Children, they're probably yeah, little children. They got to go work in those mines. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, the whole thing is a disaster. You know, and like I was in the Ford dealer the other day. He was showing me the the new the, a Mustang. Um, it looked like an SUV kind of. Model. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, I've seen those on the road. I was like, it what wasn't. Is that? But it was an E Mustang. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was all battery. Interesting. See? And you know, like, so I asked the guy, "Well, is is charging it on your is charging it? You know, recharging on the battery is that cheaper than gas?" He's like, "Well, no. You have to look for charging stations, mm-hmm. and they'll you'll have to pay. You'll have to stick in your credit card, you know, for when you want to charge up." You know, and it's going to take, you know, and it's, you know, and I can see right there. If you run out of charge, like, say you're on a trip somewhere and you run out of charge, okay, you can't just pull right into the gas station and fill up your tank and keep on going. If you run out of charge, you know, or even there for if, a few hours, yeah, right. it's going to take a few hours. Four or five hours, hours, maybe. Yeah, Right. So it's the personal responsibility, too. It's shifting the burden from, you know, a socialized transportation, public transportation system that's good for everyone to individuals. So you blow out a tire and you're in between paychecks. Tough. You know, I guess you're going to have to walk to work or get a friend to drive you. You know, like, for example, I was driving uh, I was driving a a Volkswagen um, back in uh, back uh, where I was living in Maryland at the time. And uh, apparently Volkswagen had these issues with, um, I guess they were, they were, they were rigging the tests for emissions and whatnot. Yes. So I remember that. Mine failed failed emissions testing in Maryland. Guess who had to pay like $700 to fix it out of pocket? Me. I'm like, I didn't make the car. I didn't fail the emissions, but I had to pay for it. It was my burden. So I'm like, this is the most ripped. Then they they had a class action suit against them, right? Didn't they do something about it? All I know is I had to pay seven hundred and some dollars out of pocket to fix this bullshit, and I'm like, I didn't have anything to do with it. You know, I wasn't scanning the tests, but uh, that's that's what it does when capitalism puts personal responsibility on consumers instead of taking socialized risks and building a public infrastructure system that's good for everyone. You know, you run you run over a pothole, you bend your rim, you blow out a tire in between paychecks. On you, that's right. On you, that's right. I I agree. I mean, I think. Capitalism sucks. I, Capitalism you know, sucks. Let's overthrow it. Let's go to Bernie just a little bit more, and then I'm going to get to the mental health aspect. we got to stay okay. in touch. Let's keep talking again and do it again sometime. But uh, what do you think about Bernie since um, whatever it was, 2016 and 2020 elections? Um, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of high up, I guess, in the Democratic Party. He seems like he's an advisor to Biden. He seems pretty muzzled. He's not a, he's not that revolutionary Bernie. I remember of four or five years ago. What do you think about Bernie and what he's been up to since he, uh, since that election and since he lost South Carolina? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that if they didn't, I think they stole South Carolina away from him. I think he was going to win. 
I think if, if Clyburn hadn't come down and interfered and by and Obama or whoever did it. And the Democratic had, Party elites, you know, that, that right. uh, you know, Democratic that, Party elites, yeah. whoever, if they had stayed out of it, I believe that Bernie would have won South Carolina. And I think hands down, I am convinced Bernie could have beat Trump with no problem. I mean, Biden, come on, Biden barely beat him. Biden, yeah. that, you know, that was a real nail biter, you know, that election. And, and Trump was historically unpopular and Biden barely won. That's and, right. Uh, I also saw a statistic, I, I follow 538. I think Biden has the lowest approval rating. I think every other president that had That's an right. approval rating That's right. He's at way the same down. level or lower lost, uh, lost the election. Right. So it's not looking good. I think, I'm pretty sure. I think he has, I, I personally, I I think he's going to lose. Could be I, a Trump landslide. Actually, I think he's going to lose. That's right. Close. I yeah. think. I think. I think that right now. I think the way the way that um, it's going. I don't think uh, Trump needs to do a thing, and he'll win by a landslide. I think if Trump, if you remember when during the last campaign, when they were campaigning for Medicare for all, and Trump said he's going to. We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare because it's so terrible. And I'm like, yes, yes, do that. And Trump said he's going to make even better health care. This is after he got elected. And it was Mitch Mitch McConnell shut him down on that. Yeah, Yeah, Trump. I think think if Trump 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 left and Biden. Yeah, I, I think I think Trump I think Trump's pretty independent. I think he kind of does his own thing. I honestly think you know he was he was a lifelong Democrat. I honestly think he's farther left on a lot of issues than Biden is. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, anyways, let's. Uh, what, what do you think about um, putting uh, age limits on? candidates running maybe means testing them cognitively what do you think about the whole you know banning trump from the ballot i am in favor as a leftist of um you know less laws are probably better i'd rather see you know biden and trump go at it and uh you know whoever wins fair and square is is the president so i i'm, I'm kind of hesitant of putting cognitive tests on and means testing candidates i'm kind of hesitant of uh putting age limits on the presidency i definitely like the idea of term limits um but also you know a little bit i don't really like the idea of like banning trump like i i did a poll actually on my twitter this morning i'd say if you're gonna ban trump ban biden too why not just get them both out of here yeah i i don't i don't agree with with keeping his name off the ballot the way i look at it he hasn't been convicted of anything Okay, you can talk all day long. Yeah, he's a criminal. He did a lot of bad things. He did this. He did that. He he cheated on his wife. I mean, I mean, the man is an evil bastard. Okay, I hate him. Whatever. He sucks. I don't want either of these two president. But yeah, I don't think there's anything that he did that he should be removed from the ballot from. You know. That's right. I think until he's convicted in a court of law, and if that happens, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. That's right. If he got convicted of something, then it's a different story. Then I think the color, I think, isn't it Colorado? Colorado said he can't be. They determined yeah. that, yeah, he's guilty, so we're not going to let him on the ballot. I think that's just totally wrong. I mean, I just think it's it goes against what... That's going to radicalize more people that are on the right and moderates, I think. You know what I mean? The, the Democrats are going to be like, hey, if we can't beat him, let's just make it illegal for him to run. And I think like... Right, and, I, right. I, I, and, and who is pushing for this is the Democrats. So I, I think they need to sit down and shut up. Really? The same people, and you can talk about the Cornell West 
campaign a little bit before we get into mental health. These are the same people that want to keep um, 30 third parties off the ballot, right? They, these are the same people that I want mean, to keep Cornell West off the ballot. I, just, I, you know, I am so sick of hearing them talk about third party and, and that's, and it was Ralph Nader was the one that gave us Trump and, or George Bush or whatever. Come on, the, you know, I'm so sick of, what the hell are they afraid of? Every other country out there has more than one party. You know, you, what's wrong? The more, the merrier. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to get elected. I think that that... Um, they're in favor they, of real democracy. They don't want real democracy. They want to maintain no. their little place on the ballot. There's two That's places on right. the ballot. They want to keep they, theirs, and they want to keep... Uh, in fact, they That's, actually... They even fund far-right Republicans that, that's come out that a lot of right. yeah, DNC I, candidates. Yeah, I, that's where I, the money's going. Is that, that, that there's a Democratic representative, Kralar or Kruller, and he's he's pro, he's anti-abortion. He's against, but the Democrat, the DNC gave him money to reelect him against because he was there was a progressive candidate trying to run against him, and they the Democratic Party gave him money. You know, and I think and a lot of Democrats they say, they, they say they're in favor of Roe v. Wade. I think all they care about is it was a good campaign funding opportunity. That's right. It's all fundraising. Yeah, that's right. I think it was their cash cow. You know, and really, I also think that they don't care if Biden doesn't win. I think they're okay with having Trump because he was their cash cow. That yeah, the rich and powerful, I mean, they're funding both sides anyway, so no matter what, they're going to win. That's right. I don't think they care. They're, they fundraise, and Roe v. Wade, you know, the abortion issue, I, that was another cash cow that they could, they kept fundraising. For 50 years, they could have done something, but they chose not to. You know, Obama said it wasn't a political priority or some stupid yeah. statement like that. Yeah. Well, and I just think that it's money is talking here. You know, and the same thing with Israel. I think, I think that they're all corrupt. They're all getting money from Israel and APAC. That yeah, it has to be reported, and we can. What is that? There's a website you can go and you can see all the money that all these guys collected. I think that's meaningless. You know, sure they have to report something. Yeah, they. You know, like because well, who was it? It's Joe Biden that got the most money from APAC, right? Four million or something. But that doesn't count all the money that they're getting under the table. Come on, I wasn't born yesterday. You know, I know how it works. Okay, let's let's transition. We did a lot of politics here. I'd love to talk with you again sometime, catch up. We got about, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes or so to go here. Let's talk okay. about mental health, the state of mental health in America. You said you worked in the prison system. That's awesome. I think that's very admirable. Oh, I like Those are some of the most vulnerable people uh, in the I United know. States. Slavery was never abolished completely. We have slave labor going that's on right, right now. That's right, because they work system. for 10 cents an hour. And but I, if they in, in Texas, it, I think zero. I don't think you get paid at all here in Texas. I think zero dollars for prison labor, I believe. Well, I know that in Michigan that they got like 10 cents an hour. But then if they had to go to, if they went to the commissary to buy a tube of toothpaste, well, then they're paying, they actually pay, would pay more for that tube of toothpaste than what I would pay just running up to CVS. And the phone company, the phone company, oh man, what a real ripoff that was. They would charge the prisoner, the the prisoner might be real happy, I just bought a phone card, okay, so I can charge all my phone. I can use the phone card to make these calls. Well, if you're on the receiving end of that call, 
guess what? They're charging you as well. So it's like they're 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 double dipping. And what can anybody do? Nothing. What a scheme. Yeah, what a scheme. Yeah, what I mean scheme. they're, they're prison for prisoners, so they're they're vulnerable. They are, you know, they have no wealth, they have almost no power, no rights, so they can do nobody can represents do them. Right. You know, and then then you know, look what happened in Florida when they finally got voting right. They said, Yeah, okay, they'll let the vote the felons vote. And then what happened? They said, okay, no, you can't vote unless you pay up all your court costs first. But what is that? I mean, that is just so horrible. That's, you know, that's going right back to the colonial America. I mean, only rich white property owners could vote at the time. So it's basically that's a right. poll tax. That's what all our, that's vote? right. Poll tax. That's right. You know, it, I mean, it's just, to me, it's like so egregiously wrong. You know, I think we all should be out in the streets ready to overthrow the government. I mean, I, you know, I'll be I right mean, behind you. Uh, I, I think, mean, I think the best thing would be universal basic income. We talked about like uh, means. Yeah, yes, okay. I believe it. Just you give people honest. money. You know what I mean? Just give them money. That's right. That's how and, you help poor people. You give them money. Should, no you know, and there should attached. be housing for everybody. Everybody should have a place to live. Housing so, should be a human right, just like education, just like health care. Absolutely. And, I mean, it is a horrible. I mean, I feel bad knowing that there are kids that go to school without breakfast. You know, and if they don't get a meal at school, then they you don't get any you can't, meal. Uh, you, you can't. Um, you can't graduate with uh with lunch debt i just saw arby's spend something like i don't know was it like 60 60 million dollars buying up a bunch of school lunch debt is like some sort of you know uh public relations exercise that's disgusting why do we have it is disgusting tens of millions of dollars of lunch debt get rid of that shit we're the richest country in world history there should not be one child with any lunch debt here oh there should not be one child that has to go to bed hungry that's for sure and, and i mean it I don't understand how all, all these billionaires, how they can look at themselves in the mirror and and feel good about all this money they have, you so know. Let's, let's get to the state of healthcare. Uh, obviously, it's a scandal here in the United States. But mental health, you had mentioned um, a lot of the state mental hospitals, you know, have been essentially like closed down and whatnot. So what's the state of mental health as a psychiatrist here in the United States? Um, I, I remember, too, a time when I guess there was mental health um, facilities and whatnot. Are they just, you know, now basically just a wing of the hospital or how, how's that working? I mean, I guess most of the infrastructure of the mental health system has been kind of changed over the last few I decades. Know. Talk about well, it I don't bit. think it's changed. It just, everything is cut back in South Carolina. Mental health is the first thing that gets cut when they do budget cuts, you know, and I also note, you know, and it's like, I asked and nobody ever, you know, like I'm lazy. I didn't really want to do any huge research, but you know, every state in the in the nation has their community mental health. See, in South Carolina, every county has a mental health center, okay? And I know from working in them that if they didn't have to do it, they would close them down in a heartbeat, you know? But there has to be a federal law somehow that says they have to do it. Now, different ones, different clinics do different things. I I saw mostly children, and I really think that South Carolina had a terrific idea on how what they do for children. They put the counselors in the schools, so the counselor can come to me, and the counselor can tell me about this kid. You know what's going on with this kid? 
okay? And then the, the mother would come in and bring the kid in. And of course, mothers always have their own story to tell. So any, but anyways, this, and then if something happened or, you know, like the counselor could come to me and say, and this kid just got kicked out of school or different things that happen. So it was really good. Well, of course, then their funding, they, they cut their funding. And then what a lot of the counties started doing, they, the counties started to have counselors too in the school to see the kids, which, okay, that's a great idea. But then they had no doctor. You see, I mean, the way we had it, you know, sure. A lot, I, every kid I see, I saw didn't get medication. That's, that's for sure. There were times that I could clearly see, yes, this kid could do, would do with some counseling for a while. And then that would be, then that would be the end of it. Not everybody gets medication, but those who do, well, you know, they got to, you know, a doctor has to prescribe it. So these, these schools that cut out the state uh, counselors, you know, and I could never understand the politics that was going on involved, but I know that whenever you're in a situation and things seem to be really screwy and nothing seems to make any sense, the bottom line is always money. So either this funding got cut, so that program is gone. So, you know, whatever this, it's left is what could get paid for. So when it comes to children in the system, the children are the last ones to get anything. And the state, it's, they were mandated. And what, when I asked, I was a troublemaker, and I would ask, they essentially told me, that they are mandated to take care of chronically mentally ill patient people who had been in the state mental hospital and had been, you know, discharged to the community, to their family, you know, to, they had to resurrect some kind of family member of somehow, okay, that they could live with. Okay. And then, you know, like, oh, the medic, the medicine is just so great. All they have to do is keep taking their medication and they'll be normal and they'll be able to live in society and everything will be fine. And we don't need any mental hospitals. That was the whole premise. We don't need them to stay in the hospital. All they need to do is keep taking their medication. Well, what do you think happens? You know, as soon as you're given your free rights again, as soon as you're out of there, and you don't have a nurse ratchet standing there giving you your pills, what do you think they do? Well, nobody wants to take those pills. You know, so, of course, then you get a lot of crisis situation where people will go off their medication. But now what happens, see, if if somebody comes in and they're psychotic or suicidal or something, we send that, what do we do? We send them to, we want them hospitalized, okay? So we send them to the local emergency room and they will stay there at the local emergency room until such time as in South Carolina, they still have a couple of uh, mental hospitals. Very, very hard to get in there. And everything is just sort short term, but they will languish in the local emergency room until such time as the bed will open up. So then they get schlepped there, and that's the end of that. 
sometimes, a lot of times, what will happen is after languishing in the local emergency room, which, of course, no one wants them there, you know, none of the staff of the emergency room wants to take care of these people, okay? So you have that to deal with. But after languishing there for a couple of days, a lot of times these people will just get up and say, well, I'm not suicidal anymore. I'm fine. I can go home. You know, or I'm not crazy anymore, so discharge, you know. So they're able to convince somebody that they're fit to go home. So then that's usually the disposition of most of these people, is that the whole system gets tired of them, so they schlep them out of there. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, I just want to talk about, for the last few minutes here, your philosophy of mental health. I think it was very interesting on the pre-call that we discussed I like philosophy, science, um, politics. You know, that's kind of like the meat and potatoes of this podcast. So let's hit some philosophy stuff. Mental health, uh, generally, as a mental health practitioner, as a professional, um, it's normal to be sad. It's normal to right. um, have feelings um, of being down. You know, maybe something doesn't go your way. Maybe, uh, you know, you're... you're uh, you, 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 you twisted your ankle or your dog ran away or you lost your job. Your These are job all things that is, your jo- You know, a lot of it is, it's through the capitalism system too. Your job expects certain things out of you and they don't cut you any slack. And if your job is making you down and depressed, you know, you know, I, I'm not ex- exactly sure how it all works with productivity and all of that other stuff. I can, I, I'm all in favor of good mental health. I don't get me wrong. I believe in, you know, things to be done to promote mental health. Unfortunately, you know, in today's, in this world we live in, it, it's become medicalized. It's yeah, like people are struggling. They're having trouble. They don't have enough time off. They don't have enough time to see their family. That's right. They're having their to make jobs on the medications they take, or maybe putting food on the table, or um, you know, right. they're they're stressed out because they don't have health care. Maybe they're maybe they're a, right. a, a, gig, a gig worker and they have to work three or four five jobs. So I think a lot That's of them right. it, exactly. people are misdiagnosed with with depression and and and, and stuff like that. When really. We're just in a shitty economic system and everyone's really struggling and That's people right. don't, don't know where to turn and we don't have a functioning welfare state. We don't have safety nets. So people right. are struggling and there's no options for them. So that makes me depressed sometimes too, just sure. thinking about so it. Then, I'm, I'm I pretty mean, privileged. when you're in that kind of a situation, sure. Give me, you know, if I had 60 bucks right now, I'd go out and get myself a gun, you know, and end it all, you know. So, yeah, um, I can... You know, they don't want see the way the healthcare is. You know, it's a for-profit system, and nobody wants to pay for therapy. Okay, I think in a lot of cases, what does somebody really need? They need somebody to talk to. So you're talking like talk therapy with a psychologist. You're you're a big advocate of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yes, sometimes. That's all they need is to be able to sit down and talk to somebody, have someone listen to them. You know, I mean, when you think about it back in the good old days when America was great, back in the 50s when the mothers would hang out their clothes, the, the, do the wash and hang yeah, out the clothes on the clothesline. college uh, on one income. You could go on vacation That's on one right. income. You could own a house on one income, That's right? That's right. That's right. You know, and, and mothers would talk to other mothers over the clothesline. You know, I can remember my mother 
you know, like the ladies coming to the house and they would sit there and drink coffee. This is be my mother didn't send me to kindergarten, so I was six years old still and home when these things happened. But I remember that you know, different, you know, maybe four or five different ladies sitting there drinking coffee, you know. And I thought their conversations to me were very, very interesting. (laughs) So I'm sure they probably didn't like me listening or maybe they had to be careful what they said because of the little ears that were around. But I mean, I, our society just doesn't have that anymore. People I also are, think there's a big difference between like good health, right, and lack of disease. Like I think the the, the model in, in, in capitalism is you have a disease, let's treat it, you know. But there's no right. there's no reinforcement for yeah a, a, a good conversation and advice. Like, hey, go exercise, get to bed, get some good sleep, you know. Go ahead and do do a little bit better with your nutrition, eat fresh foods and whatnot. You know what I mean? There's not great reinforcement. You know, they, for that they kind tell of you know they. They, they even they even with the good insurance, everything is limited. They'll give you five sessions with a therapist. You know that even hospital days they are numbered and counted. You can't have more than this many hospital days. You know, I mean. And these are people with suits and spreadsheets. You know, trying to figure this out. These are profit motives, not medical doctors. That's and right. The, you know, our system it, it just it's just egregiously wrong. That medicine is not something that should have ever been a for-profit business. Not, I think the same for education. We have this two trillion dollars. That's right. Education the same problem. with the education. Sure. Nobody wants to spend it. They just, you know, I mean, you know, and I know the older people that I was playing tennis with and everything. I mean, they would spit their teeth and they wouldn't say anything. And I knew damn well that. Sure, they might say, yeah, I agree with spending, you know, that, yeah, the schools should have more money, more resources, okay? But they they would, they there's no way they want to pay higher taxes. That's that's their fear. They're, that's their thing. They're, you know, because like, we know the money, though, does it go to the schools? Does it go to health care? Or does it go to uh, Israel and to carry out well, genocide or Ukraine? You know what I mean? Right. Now it is. Is, now it even going, is it even going to our roads and schools? You know, where is it going exactly? I don't understand why 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 genocide Joe thinks that what he's doing in Israel is going to be a good thing for his reelection. It's an investment, Dr. Susan. It's an investment. Oh, yeah, it's a right. real investment. I'm like, I know that $20 billion could end homelessness in this country. Right now, no doubt. Right now. There's a problem okay. of will. There's plenty of money to go around. The, the problem is... Well, yeah, it's yeah, plenty of money to go for war. If they want to oh, have a war... You know, and Janet Yellen said, yes, we can afford two wars going on at the it's same incredible. time. Incredible. We can afford it. Hey, but we're coming gonna... up here. We're coming up here about 10 yeah. seconds to go here. Dr. Susan, okay. I'd love to stay All in right. touch. And you have anything else to say? You got 20 seconds. Anything you want to say? No, not that I can think of. It's 20 been seconds. We're going to put you on the spot. Let's stay in touch. It was a real pleasure. I'd love to catch up again sometime very soon, okay? Okay. All right. All right. Yes, have a great, great night. Thanks so much. Yeah, you too. All Bye-bye. right. You're welcome. Dr. Susan for a great discussion on healthcare.
politics and the 2024 election. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out. Side.